everyone. Thank you for joining us. You are now tuned into Trish Chat, a series that aims to normalize vulnerability through conversation. Our episodes promote meaningful dialogue around identity, culture, and real-life stories. We are your hosts, Steph and Jess, and everything you'll hear in our episodes are based on personal experiences. Be sure to tune in every Monday to hear our latest episodes. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Trish Chat. You got me, Jess, and my wife, Steph. Hi! Um, super excited to be here uh, with you all on a new episode. I wanted to talk about um, pressures we face as people in in society. Um, and so I'm excited to kind of dive into some of the things that, that we face here. Um, Steph, do you want to start it off by giving us some examples of things that you either have faced or um, things that you see that there's a lot of pressure on? Yeah. And I'll say that there is this conversation of societal pressures in general and of trying to um, not succumb to those pressures. But then if we look at it from um, a lens of like race or an intersectional lens of like race and um, sexuality, et cetera, there is even more pressure there that sometimes we can overcome. So for example, I'm talking about what people of color Mm -hmm. face a lot, which is being the only one in the room. Mm -hmm. And when I say being the only one in a room, it means um, in a setting, you are the only person of color there. And so your actions or however you respond could dictate how other people perceive whatever race, ethnic group, sexuality, you are now in their mind representing. So you just want to caveat yeah. with that. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, and that for those of us who face that, we know that this is like a burden. And, you know, you know, a lot of times I don't necessarily feel that I can be like, well, fuck it. Mm-hmm. I don't care because I'm like, this is how these people are going to perceive yeah. every like Latina or every lesbian that walks up in here, which is wrong. And we need to get to the root cause of it. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, it's yeah. just hard to be like, fuck it. But um, I think some of the, some of the like pressures that I have faced which I think I've talked about a lot is this idea of perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea of like, if any of you work in tech, everyone in tech says that they're type A, which is bullshit because some people are super lazy. I'm like, you ain't type A, you type A in laziness. (laughs) Um, But this idea of, of perfectionism and and there's a difference in perfectionism and trying your best. Mm-hmm. And I think perfectionism calls for like, you're not going to make any mistakes. You're going to get it right the first time. You you know 100% what you're talking about with zero mistakes. And yeah, like... Th- <sighs> 
it's an inter it's like an internalized pressure that we put on ourselves, but it also comes from society in terms of what we expect from people in different roles. So I think for like I th- I'm not a mother, but I think about like the things that mothers go through in the sense of no one teaches you how to be a mom, but there's this idea of perfectionism and that, oh, you're not breastfeeding your child. Oh, like that's what you're feeding them. Oh, this is mm-hmm. what you're doing. It's like, there's a lot of, like you're raising another human and that's really hard. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, there's all this notions in people's minds of like, oh, you're not doing it this way. Like you're not doing it right. Or even the idea of being like a wife, mm-hmm. right? And and this notion that you are going to behave a certain way or do certain things as a wife that exists that I think goes into many other pressures, but also the, this idea of perfectionism is that whatever you take on has to be done in the right way, mm-hmm. in the perfect way. Yeah. So I've struggled a lot with that because um, even like last night, Jess was trying to teach me how to shuffle cards. I call it the flapjack way. Really what I meant was blackjack, but I called it flapjack. Whatever. <laughs> um, and I wasn't getting it right. And I sensed myself getting extremely frustrated and shutting off and closing down. And it wasn't because we had tried it maybe three times. Mm-hmm. Right. It w- and it was like, that's about your threshold though. <laughs> it's true. Um, we had tried it about three times. It was no pressure. It was just me and Jess. Fine. But it was this idea of perfectionism that was ingrained in me where it was like, why is it taking me so long to get it? Why isn't that I just tried it once and it didn't work out for me? What am, what am I not doing right? Yeah. So that's where like that perfectionism gets, gets ingrained in there. And it gets in the way of just having fun and just mm-hmm. like doing instead of like trying to be um, perfect. And I, I wasn't learning how to do it because I was putting pressure on myself. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to how I could have moved my fingers a different way or how I could have put the cards in a different way because I was just so focused on, I need to get it right versus maybe if I move this here, maybe this would change the way that the cards land mm-hmm. so I could do it the flapjack way. And yeah. Which is funny because perfectionism is all relative, right? Like for mm-hmm. you, it was for you, it was like you wanted to get it completely right. But because you didn't in a certain amount of time, you just wanted to give up. Whereas for me, I would have spent five hours there trying to figure it out because I needed to like get it right. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting how like certain people are certain ways. Um, but that's a good one. I think that I definitely struggle with that. And it's it's something that I'm actually focusing a lot on. Uh, on lately because I I feel like perfectionism has caused so much anxiety for me in in my life when it doesn't have to Mm -hmm. right like I've started I've really started practicing like telling myself I did my best like whether it's an interaction whether it's a presentation whether it's sports whatever it is like Typically what would happen is I'd come back from that interaction or that activity and I would overanalyze the things that I could have done differently in order to feel better about it. And like, I would have obsessed over it. And now I just 
and I'm not perfect, but now I'm literally after whatever that whatever happens, I'm just like, I gave it my best. And I move on. Because I don't want to cause myself stress over something that's like, I might think that it's perfect, but other people might not. And I can't sit here and try to kill myself over trying to make everyone see it my way. Yeah. You know? So I, I think it's important that you, you said that in like giving it your best because it's, that's a mindset. It is completely a mindset on just telling yourself that and like acting on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so perfectionism is one of, yeah, one of the yeah. top ones for me. And it's, it's like growing at your pace, mm-hmm. right? Cause there's also this expectation of like constant growth and what that means and growth being seen in materialistic ways. So you think about the classic stereotypical example of like people going to their 10 year high school reunion or their five year college reunion. And, and like, you know, the person who walks in and is like, yeah, I'm married. I have X amount of kids. I'm now a director at this company and I have this house. It's like, wow, this person is like, they've really grown. Mm -hmm. They've really like, they've really, really made it happen after college. But this person could be miserable in the most toxic of families and a job that they hate. And the person who walks in and is like, yeah, I'm just trying to figure myself out. Like I have this job. Um, and they have like, I don't, great energy. Right. Yeah, I don't know that that's the job that I'm going to do long term. But right now I'm just trying to grow and like figure myself out. That person might be looked down upon like, wow, it's been five years since we graduated. And that's what you're, you're still figuring yourself out. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's also this idea of like what growth means and how we t- like society and in turn we tie it to materialistic things, which yeah. is not it doesn't have to be the case. But I can understand Um when I, when I first started my career, I got my dream job at this really big company um, that everyone knew. Mm-hmm. And I had worked before that. I worked in nonprofit. So I would tell people be like, oh, what do you do for a living? And I would tell them, like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, that belittling response. That's complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started, people were like, oh, what do you do for a living? And I was like, oh, I, I work at this company doing this. And be like, Wow yeah that's amazing good for you and as much as I really dislike that that still gets in your brain where you're like "Ooh, I'm impressive to people Mm -hmm. and I was miserable at that job Mm -hmm. I was crying all the time I felt I felt like really heavy imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. um but I can't even I'm not even gonna say that like it was up to me to get rid of that imposter syndrome it was a very toxic work environment yeah um And I had a really hard time leaving because part of what was tied to my decision was I can't say I worked there anymore. It was so impressive to people. Mm. Right. And, and again, people would ask me, what what do you do for a living? Where do you work? And I would say, you know, I work at this place. And even just saying that would bring me anxiety because I dislike working there so much. Right. But for other people, it's like, wow, that's amazing. So I had a hard time letting go. It's like this concept of I left this company and this job that everyone wants to work for. I left it because it just wasn't a good fit for me. Like it was toxic. I didn't want to work there anymore. Mm -hmm. It's the fear of letting something really good, you know, with air quotes, letting something really good, letting something that everyone wants go. Yeah. And that can go into like, that can go into relationships, into like, 
those are some real ass pressures. Yeah. I mean, let's dive into that, right? Like you talked about marriage. And I think that's one of the biggest pressures people face in society, right? Because the the whole purpose, the American dream, as we say, is like find yourself uh, a partner, preferably heterosexual relationships. Like let's find you the opposite sex. Let's get you married, have some kids, buy, buy a house, be in the nice school district, like Every, like that's what people are shooting for. Yeah. That is literally what people are shooting for. Um, but, and we talk about this before, it's like not everyone wants to get married and not everyone wants to be in a relationship. Like I understand that we as humans are, are social creatures and we're meant to connect, but there's some people out there that really are fine being single and having a really close group of friends or a really good family and like- Or having casual- Casual yeah. romantic relationships yeah. that don't like exactly, and they know. like their own space, and they like and and they've tried being in relationships, and you know, I know people like that, and they tell me all the time how like they get so much shit about not wanting the things that everyone else wants, and I feel for them because like that's not the norm for for society to hear, right? Like nobody's ever like. If you ask somebody, oh, how's your dating life or how's whatever? And and they're like, oh, I'm not dating. Like people want to like probe and we like, well, why not? Or have you tried yeah. this? Have you tried that? It's never like, oh, that's awesome. Are you happy with that? Cool. And like moving on and, and talking more around them as an individual versus them trying to like coupled, coupled. coupled. And I, I think that that's one of the biggest pressures out there. Um, and something I really want to help like make like normalize um around like people who just want to be by themselves it's like what does life progression look like um from like a, a personal standpoint it's it, mm -hmm. it's the be in a relationship and then it's like, if you're in a relationship be married and i feel for heterosexual um couples um particularly the the women because there's a lot of misconception of like oh you've been in a relationship with that guy for seven years and he still hasn't proposed yeah um he just doesn't love you that way yeah so what if what if neither one of those people wants to get married like mm -hmm. you don't need a ring for you for someone to be um committed to you. and there's just so much of that pressure and jess and i face that pressure yeah um of people asking us like when are you gonna get married when are you gonna get married and we face the pressure of when are you going to have kids? Any kids in the future? Because we've been, how long have we been married? We've been married for four years. Four years. We've been married mm -hmm. for four years. And I think people expected us to start having kids like a year in. And it's like. Yeah. We're not there. I mean, we're not there. That's kind of the norm for people, right? Yeah. Like, and that's okay if that's what they want. But yeah. And I think, I think the bigger thing with this, right, this pressure this pressure causes so much um, anxiety. <laughs> well, it causes, it causes anxiety, but like the decision-making in that is so like foggy, right? Because there's people out there. I know people who are literally married to people or going to marry people that they don't even necessarily want to be married to, but they feel the pressure from their family and their friends and like society. And so they end up marrying these people and and being miserable 
because they're like, I have to make everyone else happy. Like I have to have this life or, or else or I'm a is, failure. This is the next step. If I don't marry this person, it means I don't love them as right. much as I thought. Right. And sometimes you don't even like the person, but you're just so like in it, right? Like I, I, I seen people in these like unhealthy relationships where they won't leave because they're so scared that they're going to be alone or that they're going to be judged for not wanting that. Mm-hmm. It's insane. I mean, there's people in a lot of situations that they don't want to be in because of the societal pressures. There may be people in monogamous relationships when they like monogamy doesn't work for them. Right. But they're in it because. Yeah. You know, that's another pressure because being in a monogamous relationship. Yeah. If you don't, if it's not something that works for you, because. I can imagine the pressure of like going home and, you know talking to your parents about the, you know, like, yes, you know, I am married to this person or yes, I'm in a long-term or I'm in a, a, a lifelong partnership with this person and we have an open, yeah. you know, relation and how like, people are like, Oh my God. Right. 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 Um, so there's, there's a lot of pressure on that. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, so so there's that. And then like jumping into kind of the the pressures or I guess the assumptions of um, gender norms and um, the things that, you know, um, that, you know, women should be doing. Like, I see a lot of pressure in women and and. Granted, there are a lot of women out there that that enjoy makeup. I'm not one of them. But I feel like there's a lot of pressure on women to wear makeup when they don't necessarily want to all the time. And if they don't, they're judged by people or they're seen as less beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it ties into this idea of like how you express your gender. And this idea that there's like this binary of like, if you don't wear makeup and wear heels, you're not a woman. Right. Right, exactly. Which jumps into a whole other category of things. And um, there's not just two genders. I, I don't believe that. Um, and, but just to, for argument's sake here in regard to like what, what society sees as like norm, the norm, it's like women should wear makeup. Like that is it. And, you know, jumping into it further, it's like one gender can't, be masculine and feminine at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not something that a lot of people assume, accept, explore, right? Like, and, and I'm, I'm, I, I can speak to that because, like, my gender identity, um, my gender expression, I should say, has like changed over time, and I feel like I, gr- I grappled with um, being very f- femme. Um, for, for most of my life in regards to like when I went to a wedding or when I would get dressed up for certain things, like I, every time I'd go shopping, it'd be like, I have to get a dress. Like that was it. And then as I become, I became more comfortable with, with my sexuality, I started exploring like different types of things that are considered more masculine. So like a blazer and, you know, some slacks and, and certain types of shoes and like, I was dipping my toes into like the more, the more masculine side of myself. And, you know, thinking back on that now, it, it makes me sad to think that like 
I didn't feel comfortable or I, I didn't have a space where I felt I could do that. Um, but I still feel like a lot of people still see that in, in, in and they instill that in, in kids at a young age where they can't express themselves as they grow older. It's like, mm-hmm. no, if you're, if you're a boy, you should only be masculine. You should, you know, you should rough house with, with the other boys. Like you're allowed to do more, uh, risky things or you can stay out later or, um, whatever. And then if, if you're, if you're a girl, you have to dress in lighter colors and you have to wear dresses and you have to, you know, you make learn how to clean and how to cook. Yeah. All that stuff. And so, I don't know. I think that that's a big one for me. Um, that one really bothers me a lot just because I see a, a little less now that, you know, this is becoming more of a, a topic to, to talk about like, uh, gender norms and, and, and gender, um, gender revealing parties and shit like that. Like it's all, I don't want to say it's all cool to talk about now, but it's like, there's more of a dialogue around it. Yeah. Um, but there's still people out there who are making these assumptions without even thinking Yeah, like the, their bias is still very much there in regards to what certain genders should be doing. Um, so yeah, that's one, an, another one of that. And in line with that, because I know we've talked a lot about, um, the pressures that women face, um, in society. I also want to talk about the pressures that men face in society Mm-hmm. And men face a lot of pressure. I think we all face a lot of pressures around vulnerability being seen as a weakness. But I see that men um, in particular um, face that because of the fact that we have an assumption that men need to be strong and calm and rational and have it together and not really have needs. Mm-hmm. Um, not really have emotional needs. Yeah. Um, and so even like when I talk to some of my guy friends and, you know, you see their like eyes well up cause they're going to cry and then they just kind of like brush it off and keep going. I see that as sort of like that ingrained norm of like, don't cry. You're mm-hmm. a man. Yeah. Like you got to keep it together. You got to like hold it in. And there's no space for, for anyone to just like burst into tears um, when that's needed at the moment. Yeah. And I think that the more that, um, men normalize that for each other, the more they'll feel comfortable with that. Because I, I even see, you know, when that happens with me and my guy friends, like even when I tell them it's okay, like, I feel like it's not as powerful if I say it versus like one of their boys. Yeah. Um, but I still say it because I think it's important to say, um, no matter who you are you you should be able to cry if that that, that's a totally normal like emotion like you should be able to do that um but i totally agree what's another one um you've mentioned like needing to go to a specific college or needing to go to college so i have like mixed feelings on that because college is um College is not free. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone has access to financial aid. Some people have to support their families at a young age. Mm-hmm. So college becomes very difficult for them to get to. There's not a lot of resources. 
for first first gen um and like even if they even if they're like you know get the financial aid or set financially things are paid for there's still a lot of like emotional things and navigating something and being away from your family that you have to um deal with and i also think that for a lot of us because of the way that this country operates in the world going to college is a ticket to be able to build generational wealth mm-hmm. and to um be able to get into jobs that will um like help you sustain uh a life mm-hmm. now not everyone has to go to college some people have certain talents or are able to take on certain crafts or vocations where certifications or trainings are needed and they're able to do that. And college isn't for everyone. But I also like to be very careful about saying like, not not everybody has to go to college because a lot of us have had to do that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I think it's more about like, people who didn't go to college and being judged on that. Oh yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, the whole system is made for people. Most of the, 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 the jobs out there are requiring you to have a college degree or like five years or six years of experience. I don't agree with, I don't agree with that because I think that there's so many jobs out there that honestly, there's so many fucking people out there that went to college and didn't learn shit. Like, Honestly, I think that I could have been just as successful in my career if I didn't go to school, like college. I didn't learn anything like I wasn't an engineer. I didn't learn anything that was like particularly going to set me up for what I did. I think maybe my internships, they those things helped way more and maybe the networking around college. But like if I think about the material that I learned, like I'm not utilizing any of that. My psychology 101, my history, my my math. I just don't agree with it. I, I totally don't. Um, but I do think that like, I think pe- I think all people should have the option to go to college. Yes. Um, but I don't think people should be judged for not going. Absolutely. Or judged for the name of the school that you. Yeah. I mean. Went to. Good luck changing that. <laughs> But well, I mean, I, I've I, I've heard people say like, I want to go to the Ivy League. Mm-hmm. Anyone in like, which one do you want to go to? Why? And it's like, I want to go to the Ivy League. It's like, oh, so you can say mm-hmm. that you want to an Ivy League school. Which I graduated from an Ivy League school, so I don't want people to be like, come mierda, like you mm-hmm. went to an Ivy League school, so you're sitting there talking shit. But I'm also just like. You're going to put yourself in debt, most likely, going into a school. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have this idea ingrained of, like, this prestige that they want to get by going to these schools. But it's like, are you going to be happy? Are they going to cover the materials that you want to learn? Mm-hmm. Particularly for people who are going for, like, graduate sort of stuff, where it's like, now you're becoming more specialized in your yeah. career. And people just have this notion of, like, I need that. I need that name. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, to be fair, like... That's the way society that's, works. That's the system that's, that's the way made. society works. Like, but I, you people know, people see that name and they're like, "Yep." 
I don't even care that they don't have the years of experience. It has that name. It must mean they're smart. Yeah. And there's a lot of fucking dumb people that went to Ivy League schools. Correct. <laughs> um, what about like being fit? I feel like that's such a pressure and just like. Being skinny, the way that we treat like fat people mm-hmm. and fat phobia, the fat phobia that exists mm-hmm. and this idea that like. Like they make fat fat such an ugly word. Right. You know what I mean? The idea that like bodies all have to be one shape Mm -hmm. and the fat phobia that exists and that like this notion that like people who are fat don't don't want to be that way. Mm -hmm. Right. That like they want to be they want to be skinny. And this notion that like because you're fat, you're unhealthy. Right. Which like you there's a lot of skinny people who are very unhealthy. Yeah. Very unhealthy. Yeah. Um, so it's this, it's, 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 it's tied in fat phobia. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also tied in like, when I think about like appearance and the way that you have to look, it's also tied in like Eurocentric, um, yeah. look. So for example, for, um, Afro Latinas like me who have curly hair mm-hmm. and, the way that I was when I entered the workplace of like how different people treated me when I would blow dry my hair and I had it straight mm-hmm. and how people would be like, Oh, I like this look better. Yeah. Which is like, I didn't fucking ask you. <laughs> um, but two, it, it's this notion that even I had of like, Oh, I look more professional when my hair is blow dried, mm-hmm. but it's like, no, I don't. I'm just as professional when my hair is curly. Yeah. Um, because what is this sense of professionalism anyway? Right. Oh, that's real. Yeah, I, I feel like I've struggled with that too. Um, and not everyone is in an industry where they can do that. I think some industries are way more conservative than others. Mm-hmm. Um, where when you do have your hair curly, it might be looking like, they might take it as like, oh, you're having like an off day. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is bullshit, but... Some industries are like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, That's a big one. Um, What about um, how having a big network of friends makes you like more successful or happy or cool or whatever? Um. I don't know. I'm always really suspect with people who have a lot of close friends. Besties? Like 20 plus. Um, Not that like there's anything wrong, but I just, I don't know. For me, it's like, I personally believe that you can't have that many close friends because it kind of, I don't know, it kind of waters down the... The rest, like, there's not enough of you to give, but I don't think that you need to have 20 to 30 to to be, like, successful or happy or cool. Like, I think you can be just as happy with, like, two friends. Yeah, I think that um, social media has impacted that a lot. I'm like, I I think, you know, in in elementary school and high school, like, people judged you by, like, the number of friends that you had and who you had as friends. The sense of popularity. Sense of popularity. But you were young. You didn't really know better. Mm-hmm. But I think that that, be, that stays ingrained in you. And then also social media where like 
this concept of like friends, right? But it's really just people who follow you mm -hmm. and maybe people who comment on your stories all the time. But realistically, like if you were in a pickle, would you call them? Mm -hmm. Or like, do you even know that person's last name? Yeah. Right? So I think it creates this idea in our heads of, I have all these friends, mm -hmm. but what does friends mean? Like, how are you defining friendships? Yeah. I think is is also important. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big one. Um, what about like, I don't know, I feel like there's pressure around like, and you can speak to this on a whole different level, babe, but um, this pressure of having to like, like all your family members or interact with them or like give them passes. And Why are you singling me out? No, I'm just saying like, you have a different perspective on it, but like, I don't think that, um, blood is family. I think there's many versions of family out there. Like I find my closest friends, my family, like mm -hmm. those are my family members. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure in that. Like you have to be, you have to be close to your family because they're your family. I think there's also a lot of like manipulation and people being taken advantage of because of the fact that like um, hurtful behavior and boundaries are allowed to be crossed and are made okay mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, well, that person's your family. That person's your ex. That person's your sister. That person's yeah. your brother. That person's your mom. That person's your dad. That person's your grandmother, grandfather. Like that, that sort of like behavior that, and I said it a lot, like we set really, some of us set really clear boundaries of like, I'm not going to take this behavior from a partner. I'm not going to take this behavior from a, a friend. I'm not going to take this behavior from et cetera, et cetera. But then we allow our family to like do all that same shit to us. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why we say it's okay is because that person is my family member. Right. But at the end of the day, the action is just as hurtful to you. The action is still crossing your boundary, no matter who does it. So why are you giving those passes? And it is because of the societal pressure around like oh you're you're gonna talk to your mom that way oh you're gonna talk to your grandma that way oh how could you be like that to your cousin yeah yeah I think that's a big one um and I don't know about with other cultures but I, f I feel that really hardcore within the Latinx community oh, yeah. um in that you have to forgive because they're family or their blood um or you're like the black sheep if you you stop like talking to yeah. someone or cut off a relationship. Like nobody because, understands that yeah. piece, but fuck it. I do what I want. So how do <laughs> Okay. Um, so how do we deal with these societal pressures? Because we can't we can't we can work to address the root causes of these societal pressures. But likely in our lifetime, we won't see that they will completely go away. We may see that that there's change. So how do we how do we address that? What do you think? Um, well, there's so many that we listed. Um, I think that there is well, one this there's this idea of like setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. right and not allowing those boundaries to be crossed and that's going to feel very uncomfortable right mm -hmm. but it's this idea of like if you 
have a boundary where you're like, I don't want to get married and I don't want to talk. I'm not going to answer any questions around that because I've already addressed it. Mm -hmm. I don't need to talk about that. It's setting that boundary with people Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, well, oh, so so you still dating this person and they haven't proposed? Like, where's Mm -hmm. this going? In the sense of being like, that's not a priority for me. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that with you. Mm -hmm. Um, It's setting that boundary. It's setting the boundary. Like how we just talked about with relatives of things that you're willing to um, accept and things that you're not willing um, to accept. But there's also a lot of, I think, reflection that has to happen and a lot of self-compassion that needs to be practiced in order to live a life where you are not constantly shamed mm-hmm. or feeling the need to be perfect or to succumb to these um, societal pressures. So when I think about the concept of perfectionism and for me, how that's ingrained in a lot of the things that I do, I think one of the ways that I deal with it is, is mindfulness, the awareness as the first piece of understanding when that need for perfectionism is showing up in my practice of whatever I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So even when you are exercising, even when you're talking to someone, even when you are cooking, when you start feeling that and, and, and you start being aware of like perfectionism is showing up for me right now mm-hmm. in what I'm doing, right? That's the first piece. And then once you've been able to do that, the second piece is being able to turn that around and coming from a place of, of like compassion. So having that compassion for yourself of like perfectionism is showing up for me. I'm under a lot of pressure right now and it's okay that it showed up for me. I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm not perfect. So the, it sounds like ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not perfect. So I, I cannot always keep that idea of perfectionism away yeah. um, or, or have it not show up for me. And then it's building ways for you to move away from that. So whether that could be giving yourself permission. So you could write down, like, I give myself permission to make a mistake here. I give myself permission to um, not be perfect. I give myself permission to um, take my time to learn this and not be great at it at first. So those are ways that you could deal with that. But that for all of these things, this is not a one and done. It's still going to show up for you. You're still going to succumb to those pressures. Um, And it's just about being mindful. You're still going to, Like perfectionism is not something where you're like, okay, great. Perfectionism is not going to show up for me anymore, right? Like that's going to creep in and you're going to have to continue practice, like building your toolkit around that. Um, This idea of like bodies and the ways that they have to be and the way that you have to look, that again is an everyday practice that you like, even if it's you getting in front of the mirror and reminding yourself that you're beautiful, Mm -hmm. that, that, there is no uh, beautiful, there is no like one beautiful body. Mm-hmm. There is no like one beautiful type of hair, right? Maybe it's getting in front of the mirror with your curls and telling yourself like, I look professional. Yeah. I am professional. My curls are professional. Do you do that? I mean, <laughs> I've done power posing. I've had to tell myself all those things. I don't, 
I've come to a place where I, I embrace my curls and I love my curls. And so I'm not in a place where I have to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's not something that, um, comes up for me as much, but perfectionism does. So perfectionism is something that I have to work on very, very, very frequently. Man, there's nothing else that needs to be said on that. Oh, I dropped the mic. He dropped the mic. I think the only thing I would add is like before starting that process and what you just said, it's, I always, I, I have a tendency now of like asking myself, who do I want to be? And when I ask myself that, I write Snaps. out that and then those things come into play. It's like, okay, if I want to be this, what hap- what needs to happen? So it's boundaries need to be set. I need to, you know, the self-talk has to be positive, like self-compassion, so on and so forth. And honestly, what continues to like bring me back to that is that question, who do I want to be and who am I? Mm-hmm. And if you compare them and they're not matching up for you, then something needs to change. Yep. So, um, thank you for summing that up. It, it was said so nicely. Um, You're welcome. This was a great. This was a great chat. Um, I hope. I hope people found it interesting, as I feel like we talked a lot about different, a variety of pressures and yeah. things. And we always try to give concrete examples because sometimes. So my biggest uh, gripe with like some of. Um, some people that I listen to where they're like, they give suggestions or they say like, this is an issue. I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, how do I actually deal with that? What does that look like in everyday practice? I need something concrete. So we strive to give, um, examples so that if it's not resonating with you, it can resonate with you based on the examples that we give. Totally. Totally. Awesome. Well, um, hope everyone listened up to this part (laughs) um we hope everyone's staying safe and um we will catch you next time thanks peace bye